Welcome back in listeners to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have two amazing guests for you today, one familiar and one brand new. Joining us once again, we have the performer and artistic director of the Company of Fools Theater Company, Tyler Riley. And for the first time joining us, we have performer Regina Renee Russell. Both are a part of the upcoming production, Blackout, which is being presented by Company of Fools, and is playing May 5th through the 21st at The Tank. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting companyoffoolstheater.com or tanknyc.org. With that, Tyler, Regina, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yes, hello. Tyler, we've kept your seat warm. It's so good to have you back. <laughs> Very happy to be back, and so recently, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was just yesterday we were down at the theater under St. Mark's. I am so excited about this new work, Blackout. I, I'm so glad you put me onto it. The more I've dug into it, the more it just sounds amazing. So I would love for you to tell us more about this great show in which, Tyler, you're playing the role of Stephen Kinetic, and Regina, you're playing Cassie and Blackout. So Tyler, yes. why don't I start with you? Can you tell us a bit more about this show? I like to call this a grief play with superheroes. You know, grief and the dealing with the process of dealing with grief is really the crux of the show. How grief and your emotional state bleeds into all of the aspects of your life, whether you mean to or not. And really, you know, trying to find what works best on a person-to-person basis for how to kind of resolve those issues and process your feelings. And it just so happens that, you know, these, you know, emotional struggles are happening to superheroes in this world as well. Regina, anything you might want to add to that? Nothing that I can really think of. It also explores the messiness in grief, that it's not just one emotion. It's not just sorrow. It can be anger. It can be despair. It can be even finding like the joy and the memories of that person and how that can get tainted by the loss of them. It's also an exploration of mental health and how the only way to get through it is to get through it with other people. Hmm. So how did the two of you come upon this show? And Regina, if I can start with you on that. Tyler reached out to me and was like, hey, what are you doing next month? And I was in Ithaca directing a show. (laughs) And I was like, hey, so I'm not back until this date. And Tyler was like, great, you want to audition for this show? I'm like, sure, why not? What's it about? And then I heard superheroes and grief. And I was like, great, fantastic, I'm in there. So that's how I came about it. (laughs) I love that. And then Tyler, you are the artistic director of this theater company producing the show. How did you? Yes, toss, toss. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So during, before my tenure uh, as artistic director, Company of Fools, the first day of the theatrical shutdown of 2020, started producing the Plague Play readings. So Every night, uh, they would find some play, get a cast together of performers, and perform that play on Zoom uh, and do a reading. And this, uh, after a while, once publishing houses became wise to the fact that people were doing these things and not paying rights, (laughs) 
we then shifted or they then shifted to uh, sourcing unpublished works. And Shan Smith's Blackout was one of the plays submitted. I'm not sure if Blackout ended up being one of the Plague Play readings proper. But when I came on board in my current role, when I was looking through kind of our database of plays, looking for kind of what was going to pique my interest to produce, I happened upon the synopsis and then I read the script. And then I had known Shan and I don't remember where I met Shan, but I I know Shan. (laughs) (laughs) I reached out and was like, hey, is anybody doing anything with this? And they said no. And I expressed interest. And then we began talking from there. And then in February of 2022, Company of Fools produced a virtual production, Blackout. Uh, And because that was received so warmly, we decided that we definitely wanted to get it up uh, on its feet. So this is our first in-person production since 2021. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting and so cool. What has it been like developing this great show? And Tyler, I'll stick with you first on this. We really lucked out with Shan because Shan is such a great collaborative partner. Shan is very open to, you know what? I wrote the words. The stage directions are what they are. Words can be changed. (laughs) And it's just so giving as an artist to making sure that the piece works for us, you know, not us working for the piece. Like Shan is helping to craft and create moments for this particular production, which has been invaluable. I love that. That is, and what great, what a great experience to have that creative freedom to be able to do that. That's amazing. Regina, what about you? What has it been like developing this show and putting it on its feet? It's been a ride. My character experiences a lot of emotional lifting and whiplash. And that's been an interesting challenge for me as an actor to be able to go there and take myself out of it safely, which everybody has been very supportive of. So I haven't I haven't felt like I've had to do it alone, even if my character feels like she has to do it alone, which, which is, is wonderful. wonderful. And it's so it's been really moving and really powerful. I never really see plays that, A, deal with superheroes, like flat out, like Spider-Man, turn off the dark, accept it. Um, I don't, I don't see, and like, you know, I don't see plays where it's like, okay, really grounding a superhero. It's been a while since there's been like a true grounding of having superpowers. Like, I think the, like, I think the Raimi Spider-Man movies, and even the, oddly enough, all the Spider-Man movies are pretty decent at trying to like ground this person's seemingly supernatural experience into a natural grounded experience of how to live day to day with having powers and having relationships with other people who don't experience the same thing that you do. But to be able to do that on stage, I was like, I gotta get at that. And it's been such a rewarding and really big growth opportunity for me as a performer that I've really appreciated. Yes. What is the message or the thought you're hoping that the audience is going to take away from the show? Oh, yeah. I hope that people leave with a sense of introspection. I, I hope that people kind of reflect on their lives uh, at the end of the show. And like, I know that sounds like a bit vague and very macro, but everyone has their own, you know, personal journeys and their own personal ways of dealing with, you know, mental health and mental anguish. 
Sometimes it's therapy for people. Sometimes it's not just, I hope people can find the path that works for them if they have not already. Dealing with, you know, I mean, grief is the big thing in the show, but managing mental health overall is so important, especially coming out of the past three years. I mean, we've learned so much and have had to process so much and deal with so much. And it's mm-hmm. okay to say, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. But where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Love that. Regina, what about you? I really hope that the audience takes away the fact that you will go further with your own growth and your own journey and your own health if you lean on your community to support you. It is okay to admit that you're not okay. And it is okay also to cultivate a community of people who care about you and to let them care about you and let them take care of you. It doesn't mean that you're weak or it doesn't mean that you won't, you won't get through whatever you're going through faster by getting through it alone. You need, you need the people who love you to support you and it will still suck and it will still be painful, but at least they're like, you'll have people to share, to share with And it doesn't mean that you're giving all of your grief or all of your anguish to that person. It just means that they're helping you carry it. And because they're helping you carry it, you can carry it farther than if you were to just leave yourself to your own devices and think I can fix it on my own. Wow. What, what great answers to both. I love that. And a very timely message, a very important message. I think a lot of people here. So Mm -hmm. my final question for this first part is who do you hope have access to the show? And Regina, I'm going to start with you on that one. Yes, please do. Um, <laughs> I I really hope that so many people <laughs> really like like with all things that I do in theater or try to do in theater, I really hope that those who have not had the experience of theater get to experience this. People who may not have even thought that they needed theater, thought that it was for other people, thought that it was this like commercial endeavor that's like the tickets cost. for what and like people are going to sing at me I don't even know if I like that and things like that I want those people to be able to come see the show and have access to the show I want people who've been underrepresented on stage to have access to the show and to see it that's who I want I want I want people who've never been to the theater never thought that theater could be for them to sit in the audience and see people who look like them on stage and see a story being told in a very grounded way that like, you know, I, I like a good musical. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate a show. That's also, I can appreciate a good story that lasts for like two and a half hours. Not everybody's like that. And I think that this show is really good for people who are like, want a little taste of what theater can mean and all the different things that theater can mean. And heck, I even want people who think they know theater who are like oh I'm in the know I know what's here I know what's hip I know the new trends I know I want them to come see it because it's I think this show is like nothing that I've ever seen on stage before and I think it can really change people's minds about what theater can do and the types of stories that can be told on stage and with whom they could be told yes Yes, 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 yes. All of that. 
Tyler, what about you? You know, I really think it's time for the one percenters to make it to indie theater, to off-off-Broadway. Truthfully. <laughs> Let's get Bury money that. in the smaller theaters. Very <laughs> that. <laughs> Don't be afraid to go below 42nd Street. Oh my God. Oh, ooh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. But seriously, though, I mean, for me, particularly with a space like the tank, like I'm so thankful for like indie theaters that can be accessible. No shade to a lot of the off off houses. Some of them, like, they're stuck with what they're stuck with, you know, until the amount of money is raised or certain things are changed. So no shade to any of the spaces, but it's great to be in a space that has a working elevator that has room for accessible seating as well. Like that's really important. And we've been trying, uh, we can't announce anything yet because it is not set, but we have been working. And if it's not with this show, it is something that Company of Fools will be working to solidify in future productions, which is making sure that there is a guaranteed at least one open caption performance. And I'm, uh, I mean, it's not going to happen for this show, but I uh, am planning to go uh, undergo training for audio description as well so that we can continue to move the ball forward in accessibility in our realm of uh, independent theater. Switch things up now for the second part, and I want to let our audience get to know the two of you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking you two who, you know, who or what inspire you? What shows, composers, playwright, what, what inspires you? Regina, I want to start with you on that question. I am inspired by my family. My, my grandmother was a phenomenal woman, my mom's mom. My dad's mom was also a pretty phenomenal woman. My mom is a big inspiration to me as well. I get my, I try to get my inspiration from sources that are close to me, but if I had to choose sources that are like outside of me, may never meet them in life. Whoopi Goldberg is a big inspiration to me. She says some things that I'm like, "Mm, I don't agree. Please stop saying that. In terms of her career, I am infinitely inspired by Whoopi Goldberg's career. I like that she doesn't pigeonhole herself and doesn't allow herself to be pigeonholed by anything, really, that she's fine with creating her own work, not out of spite necessarily, but out of having something to say and finding a way to say it. I like how versatile she is and how amazing she is at being any, like knowing the character that she's playing and the story that she's in and bringing like real like real emotion to it. Like she's in, she's wildly funny, like, like unmatched humor and unmatched commentary in her humor, but also like all of her care, when she's playing a character, it is grounded in a real experience. Like there's my favorite thing that my favorite moment that Whoopi Goldberg has ever had in anything that she's, that I've seen her do is in Sister Act when she's in the dressing room and she's like, I'm going to leave this man. He doesn't care about me. And I'm tired of being with a married man. And then he gives her a mink and she's like, Ooh, okay, well maybe not. And then she sees that it's his wife's coat that is, that is stitched with his wife, with his wife's name. And like, it is the briefest, like 
10 seconds of cinema and it is the best thing I've ever seen in life. She looks so hurt and so disappointed in herself and disappointed in him for doing that to her. She, she allowed like, and I'm like, this is sister act. She's about to be in like a nun habit and like singing and singing like gospel remixes of Catholic songs. So like, she didn't have to, I've seen many a comedic actor not take the real emotions of their characters seriously in the things they do because they're supposed to be funny. And Whoopi Goldberg is not that person. And it is an infinite inspiration to me to take my characters seriously, take them where they're at, find humor in the thing, in the person that they are and allow your own humor to color what your character is doing while also honoring the truth of your character. So that's my very long-winded answer to that question. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I have a great Whoopi Goldberg story for you. Later. Oh my God. <laughs> but Tyler, I would love to hear your inspiration. Now we've had you on before, so I'm not yeah. sure if it's changed at all, but you know, what, what inspires you? I was just trying to think like, oh God, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we talked about like playwrights and directors last time, mm-hmm. maybe. But kind of jumping off of what Regina was saying, I'll go go with the artists that I've watched that have inspired me over the years. Jennifer Lopez is a huge one for me. Yes. Um, Another Bronx girl. We win. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, keep going. (laughs) You know, uh, just, I mean, her range of talent, but also the work ethic and also, you know, how she handles the doubt, like people constantly vocalizing the doubt, because I've, you know, dealt with that myself, internally and externally doubt. So just like seeing someone, you know, just persevering through all of that. James Hong as well. Yes. Just a brilliant, brilliant performer that just, I feel, has not gotten his proper due or his proper role. And he's in his 90s now. And like, I think he, this past Academy Awards was like the first time he went or like, it was Something just like, it was like just that. wild. Like, he was like part of like the origin of, you know, film and cinema in Asia. So it's just wild to like see, you know, him be so humble throughout all of it. And just like, he's only gotten better, in my opinion, as well. And there's also the late Paul Ritter, who, again, just like this fantastic comedic actor who I don't know definitively but I feel like he the writers and the cast of Friday Night Dinner knew that he was knew that the cancer prognosis was what it was because there was an episode in one of their seasons where they're talking about death and his character is so outrageous but like he rides these lines of like absurd comedic moments to like really thinking about like the finality of death and it's just like it was just so beautiful to watch while also laughing my ass off like it was just a great time (laughs) (laughs) those are my three (laughs) I love all those it's a great list to have Speaking of lists to have, have either of you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Life of Pi, I thought was like the, I saw both pies. 
Yay. <laughs> I went on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday after the very next day, the Wednesday afternoon, just because of how my schedule worked out. <laughs> so back-to-back performances with two different casts. And like that was like really weird, but also really interesting to watch. I think the I don't remember. Um, I don't remember the non-alternate pie's name. I know it begins with an H, but I just think that, well, both of them, like their physicality and like their commitment to, their commitment and trust in their bodies is also inspiring. I I should add both of them to the list as well. Uh, And it's just a gorgeous piece of theater and like kind of where I see theater heading in terms of like really melding, you know, it's not a musical, but there's music throughout. There's a score. You know, there's this projection design that is just extraordinary. And there's, you know, uh, like the puppetry work, just it's phenomenal, top to bottom, like really wonderful storytelling that just brings in all of the visual arts mediums. I haven't been to a lot of like commercial theater or theater in general lately because I've been busy. I would like to say a blanket statement though. Um, listeners really start engaging with the indie theater scene. Like I'll speak to New York, like engage with it wherever you live Mm -hmm. there for every like theater house that, you know, where it's like you go and there's a ticket and a seat with a cushion. And like, they have like, you know, the names on the backs of the seats of the donors for every theater like that. There are at least five theater companies who are trying to just do theater wherever they can. So definitely, I, I know it's hard to find those resources, but like, you know, the tank nyc.org, mm-hmm. big old list of independent theater companies and independent shows like ours that are really affordable, like not the way that Broadway is affordable where it's still $60. I mean, like it's like $25 to go see a whole block of theater for yourself. There is like the public does Shakespeare in the park. I'm a director of diversity and inclusion with a theater company that also does free Shakespeare in the park, Central Park in the middle of the summer. We're about to do a Titus Andronicus. Like there is theater all around you in places that you might not even expect. There's El Barrio Art Space that's on 99th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue that always has a show there, whether it's a dance show or an art exhibit, sometimes both at the same time. There is a wealth of theater that's out there that is actually affordable, that will engage you and is so creative in ways that you might not have even imagined. So no shade to Broadway, no shade to commercial theater. Like I'm real happy for y'all and I'm real happy for the work that you do like Life of Pi, like Fat Ham, like Ain't No Mo, rest in peace. There, like, There is a wealth of theater commercially. There is at least just as much of a wealth of theater independently that also needs your support. And that you may be surprised that you love at least just as much as your favorite Broadway show. Yes. And a great way to do that, TDF hat back on. (laughs) Yeah, TDF is also a good resource for that. Yeah, yeah. Like it isn't just like. For the indie and off-off because there is an off-off and beyond membership. It's a $5 lifetime membership, just a one-time $5 fee. And you get access to the off-off Broadway listings that TDF offers. So you won't see the Broadway or off-Broadway, but you'll see strictly off-off-Broadway, $5 lifetime membership and tickets, I think, are like $11 to like $25. 
Wow. Blow me down. I, I think we're both writing this I'm down so right now. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, if I may hop on my soapbox for a minute, like, it's also a matter of, like, the the amount you pay to be there. Amen. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, if I paid $25, which is, like... <laughs> Like if I get popcorn at a movie theater, it's basically the same price. It's like, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm here for $25 and I'm seeing a show happen in front of me right now. I'm, I'm invested. There's a level of like, there's a level of stress that's off my mind because I knew I could part with $25. If I'm parting with over a hundred dollars or like just $40 away from $100 to be sat all the way away from where the action is. I'm looking at, I'm looking like the, the show that I'm watching is basically the people moving the spotlight to catch everybody else. Like <laughs> I, th that happened to me. I was like, and, and I was like, okay, well, I'm spending all this money, but like, what was it for? Like yeah. if I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting anything from this because I'm too far away. I'm stressed out because I'm like, well, that's going to be on my credit card for however long. And I hope I can pay that off. And I hope this is good. But like, I, I like my standard is all like, I'm already out of the show before I even sit down because I've spent so much money to be there. And yeah. I think <laughs> like, I understand that it can be expensive just paying everybody on that level. But if you want, if you want to be sustainable, if you want to run around like a chicken with your head cut off, screaming about how like, why don't people come back? Why aren't people here? I don't understand. We used to be able, it's because you're too expensive. It's not, it's not complicated. You're too expensive for the, for, for what you're giving people. Yep. And especially if you insist on doing shows that are based on things that people can watch for free. Sorry, but also bless PBS. Bless PBS. Oh, yes. Shout out to PBS. Even NPR with these Tiny Desk concerts. Yes. Like, amazing. And Lincoln Center for like the live at Lincoln Center stuff that they do yeah. and like offer up so that people can like watch these phenomenal revivals that they've produced over mm -hmm. the years and the concerts. Mm -hmm. And even the plays. Like I think they did Act One with yep. Nathan yep. with one of the PBS pieces. It's yeah. almost like they want us to have arts and culture for free because it should be something accessible for everyone. Wow. Blow my mind. Uh, I feel like we're going down a dark hole. It's a dark hole. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but this is like this is this is this is what I'm passionate about in theater. I'm just it's this is what I love. Like I, I don't love having this conversation. But I, I believe in the power of theater and, I, and the power of it when it's accessible. I know, and like, I'm, I'm a very big thinker. So my thing is like, when I see it on a grand scale, I'm like, I know what inspired me to get into theater was seeing it in person, but also seeing it on my television. And it's, and having the ability to be like, oh, that's what it looks like. That's what it's like. This is what the story is. This is what the people look like in a way that's not, in, in a way that doesn't cost my family, like, you know, an arm and a leg and some teeth in order to bring me <laughs> to have an experience that changed my life forever, because now this is what I do. So I just think about all the generations of people who grew up with great performances of like every Sondheim musical that they've ever done and who grew up with like, you know, pro shots of these things. Like even when they had Hamilton, I'm like, 
this is important. Like there's, I know for a fact that there's like a whole generation of people who thought very much that like, quite frankly, like theater is for white people. Theater is, especially musical theater is a thing that only white people get to do in a way that is dignified where you have a character that has a whole arc from beginning to end and you get to sing songs that tell a story and aren't just there to like boost somebody up or be about how you can't speak English or be about like this, this little random moment. Like there are, they're like, it's, then they see Hamilton and they're like, oh no, there's a place for me here. There's a place for my vision and not just on stage, but there are people who are like, I've wanted like there, I'm sure that there are tons of people who wanted to write a rap musical for years and who everybody, and they might've gone to training to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then their teachers are like, nobody will ever go for that. Mm-hmm. And now they can sit there and be like, I'm sorry, you want to turn on Disney plus and <laughs> scroll down to like the musical section. Look what's there. Oh, it's Hamilton. Oh, it's Hamilton. Okay. Okay. Like, you know, like it's, it's validating. It's bigger than just one show. And so, so much of accessibility to theater is about inspiring people and letting it be that like X is the last generation who hears that they can't do a thing. Yes. And we get even more rich theater from it, even yeah. more rich stories, even more beautiful work that like they'll be teaching other people 20 years from now about like the day that this changed the world and the show that this was. And just like certain people's names are on everybody's lips and they all are a fairly homogenous group, there can be more names that are not part of that homogenous group who are put to the same level because the work is just as good and even better sometimes. Now I've officially come down off my soapbox. Let's talk about something else. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not sorry, but like, you know. (laughs) That is a great lead into my final couple questions. Sweet. I want to ask what's your favorite part about working in the theater? And Regina, I feel like I can go with you first. No, ask Tyler first. I've been talking for a while. Ask Tyler first. (laughs) Oh gosh. I mean, it's such a cop-up, but like, there's just so much. It's, It's hard. I guess because of today, the answer that I will give for today is engaging new and young audiences, like the future theater goers, the theater goers of tomorrow, the people who are going to, you know, keep this art form that we all love so much going for, you know, in perpetuity, you know, and it really starts, you know, in the classrooms in these schools. And there's a wealth of really incredible theater education programs, uh, specifically here in New York City, you know, Lincoln Center, of course, TDF, uh, Roundabout, MTC, like there are so many organizations that have, that do really, really great work prepping young people for the theater. I love that. Kicking it back to Regina. My favorite thing about working in theater is the variety of story that can be told and the creative ways that you can tell a story. Theater can be a literal house on a literal turntable with literal rooms and working faucets. And theater can be a tissue paper that's attached to a flashlight. That's the ghost of your your long lost loved one. Theater can be these three chairs are a couch and a bed and three chairs and a bench. 
and a ledge and a cliff. Theater can be a, a hill in the middle of a park as long as there's someone there to tell you a story. Love that. I love I love both of those answers. Oh, yes. And that's a great lead in to my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? Regina, um, favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory is I was 17 years old and my high school, I'm born and raised in New York. I went to school in the West Village, high school in the West Village. My high school had a relationship with the Pearl Theater Company. Shout out to the Pearl Theater Company. And they were at the theater under St. Mark's and they would do a season of plays. And we had learned about Twelfth Night in class. And my English teacher, my 12th grade English teacher, shout out to Miss Brittany Pierce. Um, <laughs> she was an actor. So she, her thing was like, don't read, we're not reading this play at home. We're gonna read it in class so we can discuss it in class because it's a performance text. And it opened my mind and I was like, yo, this is funny. I don't know what all y'all are on. Like, this is hilarious. And at the time I had, I had said I wanted to be an actor since I was four. And my family was very much like not about it. They were like, you know, just maybe you want to do something else that maybe just anything else. And for a while I was like, okay, maybe I got to let it go. I'm going to, I'm going to let it go. Or like, I can figure out a way around it. I'll figure out a way to do it without them knowing that I'm doing it or something. But I kind of was starting to let the dream die because I was starting to tell people that I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I was like, yeah, medicine, that's a secure job. And then I went to see this production of Twelfth Night at the theater under St. Mark's. And it was so funny. And it was so, so beautiful and, and moving. And I remember sitting in that theater and being like, I can't give this up. I got to do that. I can't, whether I was like, like immediately the plan pivoted to, yeah, I'll train to be a doctor in case this acting thing doesn't work out. That was my genuine plan. I was like, I'll be a veterinarian in case this acting thing doesn't work out, but I'm going to do this because I got to, I got to do it. I got to do it. I have to be a part of it. I have to, it's something that is, I was like, this is a calling on my life. I need to do this. And if I hadn't seen that show, I don't know. I would still have a beautiful life, but it wouldn't be the same as this one, which is the life that I always dreamed for myself. And it's amazing. <laughs> That's my favorite theater memory. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. The power of yeah. yellow stockings. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what is one of your favorite theater memories? I was trying to think because I don't remember what I said last time, if I said anything last time. <laughs> At the risk of possibly repeating myself, we used to do, when it was running on Broadway, whole houses of kinky boots with students. So every seat in the house filled with teachers and students. And it used to be my favorite thing because you would see like these giant school groups come in and like everyone's like in line based on their clique and like all of that. So inevitably, like, you would find, like, the jocks that are, like, hanging together and, like, kind of like, oh, why am I here? Like, this is dumb, but at least I'm out of school. But, like, without fail, like, they were always, like, amongst the first on their feet or the first 
groups like losing their mind when you first see Lola appear, like without fail. Yes. And it just speaks to, you know, kind of like speaks to the show, but also speaks to kind of where young people are. Like, I can't imagine anyone in like my grade, like having that same experience. Like, I feel like they would have just leaned in to like, this is dumb and like, why I shouldn't be here. And like, this is pointless and like really just digging their heels and instead of just allowing themselves to just be in the space and let themselves be, you know, taken in by the show, let themselves be immersed in this experience being put forth by that, by that incredible team and company. I love that. Two amazing memories. Thank you both for sharing those. Are there any other productions or projects either of you have coming on the pipeline? We might be able to plug for you. Mm-hmm. Sure are. (laughs) Tyler, you go first. (laughs) Please just, you know, like and follow or, you know, whatever to the Company of Fools social media to stay up to date on the projects that we will be working on. There's nothing announced quite yet for Company of Fools beyond Blackout, but be on the lookout. All right. So boom. The theater company that I am director of diversity and inclusion with Barefoot Shakespeare Company is going to be doing a production of Titus Andronicus that opens on June 1st. It opens June 1st and it's running in at Summit Rock in Central Park. It's by the 81st Street entrance. Like it's same like entrance. Direct, I'd like to direct people to the Diana Ross Playground right there. Yes, the Diana Ross Playground. If you just keep going left past the Diana Ross Playground, you'll get to Summit Rock. It is completely free. We do free Shakespeare in Central Park every year at Summit Rock. And Titus is our first show of the season. Our second show of the season is a show that I wrote called Much Ado About Hero. It is a, it's a gonna be it's gonna be a workshop reading, books out of hand, but still workshop reading of a verse play about Hero, a reimagining of the end of Much Ado About Nothing, where Hero decides instead of marrying Claudio, she's going to exact revenge upon him by pretending to be a ghost and haunting him while he's staying in her house. It's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It's still a comedy. I I promise. And that's going to be going up in Summit Rock August 24th through August 26th and August 31st, September 1st, 2nd and 3rd. Also, I, speaking of superheroes and playing them, I am the voice of Storm in the Marvel fitness app, Marvel Move, that's going to be launched in the summer. You'll be able to work out listening to an immersive story about the X-Men and other Marvel comic book characters taking you through the arcs that you love so much in the comics while also getting fit. And it's exciting. So that's my plug for everything I'm doing. <laughs> but for much ado about hero, auditions, asking for a friend. Audition, oh yeah, yeah. Auditions are gonna be in June. Auditions are June. We, we have to finalize the dates. They'll either be June 24th and 25th or June 25th and 26th. But there will be more information about that as it comes through. My social media is at Reggie Renee on Instagram. You can also follow Barefoot Shakespeare Company on Instagram as well for constant updates. We are at Barefoot Shakes on Instagram. We'll keep you updated about all of those projects. 
Marvel Move has its own situation, and I'm sure you'll hear about it because Marvel has money. <laughs> so yeah, just keep just be on a lookout on my social media and on Barefoot Shakes at Barefoot Shakes for all that info. Amazing. Thank you. And that leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about Blackout or about either of you, maybe they want to reach out to you. How can they do that? Regina, I've got your your Instagram handle. And then Tyler, you mentioned the Company of Fools social media. Yes. So we're at Fools Co. on Facebook and Instagram and Fools Company on Twitter. And then you can find me on all of the socials at It's Tyler Riley. And you can find more information about the show at www.companyoffoolstheater.com slash blackout. You can also find information about the show via the Tanks official website as well. Wonderful. Regina, Tyler, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Of course. And sharing this incredible upcoming show that I'm so excited to see and just all the amazing things you two are up to and and getting on soapboxes. I mean, this has been a yeah. blast. I, I <laughs> yes. love it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My guests today have been the artistic director and performer Tyler Riley and the performer Regina Renee Russell. Both were part of the upcoming production, Blackout, being presented by Company of Fools Theater. It's playing May 5th through the 21st at The Tank. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting companyoffoolstheater.com slash blackout. And that's theater with an R-E, by the way. Or you can visit thetanknyc.org. We also have a bunch of social media and other contact info for our guests, which we're going to be posting on our episode description, as well as in our social media. And we'll also let you know when we are attending Blackout, so hopefully you can come along with Stage Whisper and check out this phenomenal show. But in the meantime, get your tickets now, May 5th through the 21st at The Tank. Check out this amazing show, Blackout. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.